0: Support for 100 Watts in a Wire is brought to you by 100WattsAndAWire.com. To subscribe to the show, simply click the RSS feed. While you're there, apply for your free 100 Watts ID and learn how you can help make 100 Watts in a Wire listener-supported. Click the Donate page and pick the option that works best for you. We've got a traveling toolkit, 100 Watts in a Wire gear, and more. That's 100WattsAndAWire.com. And LDG. LDG leads the industry in customer service. Every LDG product comes with a two year parts and labor warranty and it's fully transferable. If you ever sell or give away your LDG tuner, the remainder of the warranty goes with it. For more information, visit LDGElectronics.com. And PowerFilm Solar. PowerFilm manufactures durable, lightweight, rollable, and foldable solar panels that will take your ham radio setup. To the next level, making it more portable than ever before. Visit PowerFilmsolar.com for more information. And now from GridSquare Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Uh, Yes, sir, and thank you very much, Earl. Welcome to 100 Watts and a Wire. I'm Christian Kilo Zero, Sierra Tango Hotel. And it is a pleasure meeting you at the intersection of life and amateur radio. The last time you joined me, we had 67 degrees. Yep, we recorded just as it was 67 degrees in St. Louis. Just four days later, 12 inches of snow. And I got to tell you, people act a fool And it all goes back to this thinking of preparedness. I can tell many people were not prepared for the amount of snow we were going to have. The city of St. Louis being one of them. I have a sneaky suspicion that the city of St. Louis doesn't have that much money. For whatever reason. But I certainly understand that they do not budget for snow removal. It's sort of the thing that they don't prepare for not a slight at the city for this particular storm this was a significant storm we were hearing 6 to 9 inches and around here 4 inches can shut the city down i mean up oh, yep we're going to cancel we're going to and i remember growing up in baltimore if you didn't get to the 6 inch point we weren't shutting anything down we'll see you maybe in a couple of hours be careful coming in and when I moved out to the Midwest, I was shocked. I was shocked by a little bit of snow. And it could go as small as like a half of an inch. And people just don't seem to know how to drive in it. I think that could be universal. Because I've been in cities where people just don't know how to drive. They're either aiming their cars, going too fast, not enough time in between you know, cars and braking distances. They can't figure out that depth perception. They... Lose their minds. So Friday sits in, uh, sets in, and we're headed into this storm. It was supposed to come around noon time. I buttoned things up and started to head north because I was about midway through a nine-day stretch with my girls flying solo. You know, you've got two little ones; they've got considerations and food that they eat you know, specifically, and most foods they do not eat. So I was like, you know what, we are okay on most things, food-wise. But maybe I should get to the market just to get a a couple of little things. And I'm not talking about bread. I'm proud to say I mentioned Baltimore. It's a joke, toilet paper, uh, bread, and milk, right? I had those things, but I was thinking a little bit like maybe a little bit more milk, you know, in case we have to, we're doing oatmeal, we're doing hot cocoa. It's early enough in the day. My commute was fine. When I got to that market, oh, Lord. Oh, people have lost their minds. So, you know, I kind of, I think about these things, and I've talked about preparedness on the show a little bit and how I'd like to incorporate some of these things into our intersection of amateur radio and life because this storm came down and ultimately dropped more than they anticipated, 12 inches. And you talk about shutdown. I mean, shut shut it down. And with good reason, man. I think we shut things down because we understand people can't, you know, can't get around. They don't know what they're doing. People were stuck on the highways lots of traffic accidents, people were stranded, they were uh, spending time in, like, cafes, they spent the night. Luckily, some of the businesses opened up and let them stick around. A storm like this does not come around very often. It was the most significant storm in this area since 2014. And at that point, 2014, you may have been looking at, you know, eight inches of snow... You know, it knock you down for a day, you spend it. This happened to be a Saturday, a lovely Saturday. The snow kept coming. The one issue I did have on this old body of mine is the shoveling. You know, you've got to try to break it down in waves when you know you're going to get a significant fall of snow. You know, try to get out there and do, you know, four inches at a time if you can. I ended up doing it like 3 so times. And, uh, you know, Sunday took a break. It was still snowing. It continued to snow, but just dusting. We have to think about these times, and maybe this is a good opportunity to think about the things we need. And when I talk about prepping, I'm not talking about let's go crazy. You know, and dig a bunker and get five years worth of food and non-perishables down there so we can survive the nuclear attack. Do you want to survive the nuclear t- attack? That's a personal question. Don't answer it now. Think about it. Let's think about the 12 inches of snow that knocks you out. Or the first 72 hours. In the coming weeks, maybe we'll talk about things that we can start to do and collect to have. First up in my book is water. What happens if we can't get fresh, clean water. What should we do? And a lot of the people that I subscribe to and read about in the prepping world or at least that sur- sort of survival, gallon of water per person per day is a good gauge. So that's something for you, a little seed, if you will, in this heart of winter. Think about your water purification and the water that you have on hand in case... You're out of commission for a day. What sort of foods do you like to eat? Would you need to have? How would you cook it? How are you going to get by? Because on Friday, going to the stores, I'm thinking everybody in this mama, some mama is dependent on a bread truck delivery. And they are just, I mean, you you look, at. I was looking because I was calm. These people weren't, you know, They were calling it the snowpocalypse, but these people weren't, they were out there rushing to get stuff, but people were calm doing so, just deep lines and checking out. And I was looking around like, what are you buying? You know, and things that are like, oh, okay. And some things, you know, when you have kids, cool. Some Twizzlers, some popcorn, some hot cocoa, spend the day with your children and your family, that's cool. That's a cool thing. But, you know, I don't know that you need the two-liter bottle of soda. I mean, unless you're just going to dump that out and use the, you know, like, I don't know. To each their own, friends. But 12 inches of snow after a 67-degree day in the same space can set off some sort of complacency. Like, spring is just around the corner, fella. It is 67 degrees. Well, look, I'll see you in the weekend When you're looking for a shovel, all is well. There were some uh, casualties, some life loss type of things. Many of accidents around the state. This is a big old state, so the numbers you have to kind of keep in perspective. A lot of traffic incidents, that sort of deal. Hopefully, you're doing okay where you are. Uh, many people get snowfalls and accumulations like this. They just are prepared to deal with them better than, say, St. Louis, Missouri, and maybe other small towns here. We've got plenty of it still on the ground. You can't park uh, in the city near the curve, or the curb, which is, you know, it's been pushed up. My neighbor, they, uh, they cleared out and uh, totally took out their mailbox. They pushed the snow right up to it, broke it on a wood thing like damn it's pointing straight up in the air dude like it's tilted lay back you got a bucket now you don't have a box you got like a bucket you open it and just pour something in it radio wise uh we made out okay we were just fine we didn't have anything to deal with a lot of times when you get snow and ice ice seems to be coming now we're getting kind of the melt and the freeze the melt and freeze you know you slip and You know, put on your best Elvis move out there, or you know, just kind of play it off with oh slip. That's what I do. Hey, I've got a confession for you, though. Although we made it out of everything and our antennas were fine and all is well, I've got a confession. I don't know about you, but I feel a little uncomfortable listening to two stations during one of those epic doubles. What do I mean by a double? That's when two amateur radio operators are talking to themselves at the same time. I'm talking to you right now, but you're also talking to me. And each of us don't know it. Well, when that happens, I kind of feel like, oh, no, please stop talking. One of you, please stop. And there, it's the deepest damn conversation. Well, I woke up this morning at about 6 o'clock, Jim, and then we uh, had an appointment. You're like, oh, this is going to be a long transmission. I feel uncomfortable. And the working conditions on 40 meters, well... I hadn't seen this since now and, and it is nobody's fault. It's just that sometimes when we're delivering our transmission and we speak, we t- we pause and it sounds like the end of a thought. This is why you hear a lot of people say over, like like I'm I'm done, back to you type of deal. We say over and it does come across very radio-y to say over. Watch, I'll do it here as I talk to you, and I take a break. But that would say over would mean I'm sending it back to you like I'm finished, right? I finished my When they don't do that, and they take a break and put in a pause, our tendency is to fill that space with something, that dead air, as we'd call in the broadcast world. Oh, we got to jump right in. It's either an awkward... (laughs) Because when I'm laughing at something you said, I'm not keying up. Like, my mic isn't open. I'm laughing. So if you keep going, then we get those awkward laughing moments. (laughs) Oh, Charlie. That is funny. What you said three minutes ago, K0STH for ID, that was funny. Charlie, I've got to apologize. We doubled there for about Oh, I'm guessing about six minutes or so we would. Ta- can you go back and. I'm like, ah. And what is interesting is I'm wondering which one of you are going to stop first. And I'm hoping that one of you stop like as soon as you can, because the other one's deep in like now he's at lunch time. He's talking about the sandwich. And then how do they respond when the other station says. QSL which is Q speak for, you know, do you understand? And many people believe QSL is just, you know, to send the card, the acknowledgement of the contact. I feel uncomfortable in these moments, but I can't look away. It's kind of the car crash. And ultimately, somebody will say, yeah, you guys doubled. (laughs) You guys, yeah, it was epic, an epic double. And then you're left with, so what did you hear? Like, when, what was the... Just forget it. I gotta better go. Mama's calling. She's making my porridge now. I should probably get going. But, Jim, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. Those moments. And, and what do you do? The best thing you do is, you know, we have to listen a little bit longer and maybe leave a little bit of space between our transmissions and where we feel that people have finished. Give it another second. Because ultimately, somebody could keep going. They don't let off the key. We have to listen. One of the most valuable lessons you will learn as an amateur radio operator is to listen. Just listen. And listen a little bit longer than you normally do. Some of the folks, there's a function for those of you who are new to amateur radio, there's a function on the radio called Vox. V-O-X. You'll see it. It's a button. Takes a little bit of setup, but essentially that means you're listening to everyone's conversation, but your microphone is open also at the same time. So it's almost like a phone call. You know, you don't have to push a button to speak or release to stop. You're just in this vox mode, which is sort of like the telephone, you're making a call on your rotary phone or your fancy thing with the buttons on it. Landline. So let's listen a little bit longer to each other and I think we will do better. Now that's a lesson I learned years ago and I'm not saying I haven't doubled with someone because you leave pauses naturally and then the tendency is to jump right in there. But I asked our group, our listeners, You know, what was the most valuable lesson you learned in 2018? Any ham that is worth a a grain of sand will tell you we're learning something new every day. And I figure we just ended 2018. It's in the books. It's all buttoned up. Well, what did you learn? What can you share with the audience that you learned. And many people responded. I'd like to read some of those uh, to you this week. And again, you can join us and join this community. Everything is free. This show is free. I welcome you to subscribe to it by visiting 100wattsandawire.com. That's 100wattsandawire.com. If you click the 100 Watts and a Wire page... You can subscribe to this podcast, you can listen to it, everything's free, we have a 100 watts ID program. We use these during activity days a couple of times every year in the spring and in the fall. We have activity days. It's like a weekend where we get on the air and we'll talk about that as we get closer. The spring is like a tune-up. A couple of weeks before field day which is probably the most popular activity or program, or special event that amateur radio operators have. We also have a winter field day, but we get out, we exercise ourselves and our bodies, and we call it the 100 Watts in a Wire Tune-Up. If you participate, you can win prizes from our sponsors, that sort of thing, and we do it again in the fall. We make contacts, and we encourage you to get on the air, and if you can be portable, cool. If not, do it from your home. Well, the 100 Watts ID's they are sequentially issued to you, and you receive a number. And many people will share those during their contacts. Mine is one zero zero. We've given away thousands of these numbers, and they're shared during special activities. We also share them on our Sunday evening net. We usually start on forty meters with our net, and uh, during the winter. 75 meter phone opens up for us, and then we we we'll do a little bit on 40, and then we'll move up to 75 meter phone. Many people write and say, "What, what, what frequency are you on?" You know, that's kind of hard to determine in advance. We like to be around 71.92, but it doesn't always work out that way. And then you know, 80 meters is this time of year, especially, can be packed. It can be packed in the evening times, and you just find a spot that's open. And uh, go at it like that. But we start around 7 o'clock Central Time. That's 0100 UTC this time of year. 7 o'clock Central Time. You're welcome to join us. We also have a traveling toolkit. All of this can be found, again, at 100 com. Traveling toolkit. It has gone across the country. It helps hams with their projects. It is a time-honored tradition to share your tools Tools can be very expensive. All you have to do is make the request there at the website. Wait for it. You fall into a queue. If you're next, it comes to you. Because the ham who had it before you paid for the shipping to get it to you. That's all you'll pay. You can see the contents of the toolkit online as well. Paying $12 to ship something is a lot cheaper than buying an antenna analyzer. And all the tools to make different cables and that sort of thing. It's not so heavy, about $12. And it's there for you. So visit the website, join our community. We're also on Facebook. And getting back to our listeners, we have a very active community on social media, Twitter and Facebook. You're welcome to join us at those locations. Well, I asked, what did you learn in 2018? Mario, or Marlo, Apologies, Marlo. Never take a break from amateur radio. You never think you'll be gone long. But if you blink, 15 years have gone by. And upon your return, some dear friends will be lost forever. And you'll never got to say the final 73. That's ka 2 R Q. James said, There's always something new to learn in amateur radio, but some people are not willing to do so. I need to recognize the signs and move on to someone who does want to learn. That is what I learned again in 2018. And two, ADV. Pastor Joe says, It's not about the gear, it's the people. W-A-2-J-O-E. Ron says, I find many people are interested and say they want to get into amateur radio for emergency preparedness purposes. I find that many want to do a minimum to invest, learn, and operate and practice. As a result, they will not really be prepared because of one thing. The battery in the walkie would have been discharged by then. A handful have gotten to discover the magic and fun of amateur radio and have gotten on the air. They are exploring and growing. These will be the ones prepared for the next emergency. AH6RH. Derek says unplug and disconnect even on a sunny day. Ken says use more or better guy ropes than you think are needed. K-E-8-H-Z-Z. Robert says, always listen to 100 watts in a wire, N8HF. I like that. Very nice. Flip, good quality cables and coax are worth every penny. Time wasted and frustration over troubleshooting bad cables is pointless and more expensive in the long run. KT9X. Michael, don't let intimidation stop you. Just dive right in. V-E-3-M-E-U. David says even a compromised antenna can help you make good contacts and great memories. N-8-W-A-E. Matthew. If you go potty for more than 15 seconds, somebody will answer your CQ from 20 minutes ago. Kilo 8, Kilo Echo 8, Kilo X-Ray. Oof, I butchered that. Sorry, Matt. K-E-8-K-Y-X. He's a new amateur general. Congratulations. Gian says, receive antennas, need tuners too. Eric, getting into amateur radio so you can be in good practice for SHTF comms can distract you from active prepping. Again, this goes back to what's your definition of prepping? Are we preparing for 72 hours? Are we preparing for 12 inches of snow? Are we preparing for the zombies? I don't believe in zombies. I believe the zombies are the people who will be walking the planet who are not prepared and in the streets looking for water and food and shelter and things of that nature. Moving on, Rex says, Don't let anyone discourage you from making your own antennas or working mobile including yourself. Jason, if you find new HF, if you are new to HF, which I am, don't let others discourage you with band conditions. Good one. Get on the air as often as you can and start collecting call signs. Maybe even use a web SDR to help your hearing. KM6FAK. Jim says, if you plan to play radio on vacation, be sure to test The exact configuration you plan to use, including cabling, at home first. Also, bring a few clamp-on number 31 ferrites for unexpected RFI, WU6K. Steve says, being an old dog, nearly 70, I've learned how to do digital FT8 and did it on my own setting it up. Trial and error. More errors to start. Uh, with, uh, but he got there. That is G0RDU. Thank you, Steve. Jason, tune it up, turn it on, key it down. You never know what works until you try it. Bag says the friggin' difference between eh, KISS TNC and older real TNC. Garth, any antenna is better than no antenna. That's an old one, isn't it? That's an old one. It's true. And two is one, right? Just get it up. Number two, if your antenna doesn't come down in the storm, it wasn't up high enough. You can tell he's uh, he's got some old Elmers, some old mentors, because those have stuck through the ages. John says, Never underestimate the will and power of a German Shepherd versus a 40-meter telescopic mast. Dog one, mast zero. W5LWC. Ken... Even old goats that held a general license for over thirty years can upgrade to extra if they put their mind to it and study. Study, pass, and you will—you'll make it. It'll be fine. That's another thing on the one hundred Watsonwire. Dot com site. Let us know of your upgrades. I have a couple to share with you in a minute, but just a couple more of these. Peter, N nine P O L. Being an Elmer to someone young or old doesn't matter. What matters is the joy and excitement on their faces when everything works and they are making QSOs, living vicariously through them. Very nice. And finally, Cleave, no matter what you hear on 75 meters or your local 2-meter repeater, what you read on the WWW, that's the interwebs, kid. It's still just a freaking hobby. All right. Many, many more there. If you uh, sign up for the 100 Watts in a Wire Facebook group, you can read through those. They're very good. Uh, Good bits of advice. I don't want to keep you too long here, but uh, when we said, uh oh, man. And I've also got to get to Neil. Neil is here. We got to give you Neil's special op report. Let me tell you about the upgrades we have. Dennis. Kilo Charlie 3, Mike Alpha Alpha is a new general. Bruce, also a new general. Kilo Golf 5, Yankee United Oscar. And Andy, Kilo Echo 5, Papa, Whiskey X Ray, all new generals. Congratulations and enjoy those new band privileges. Now, I've been talking about special ops here for a few weeks, and I want to talk about the next generation of hams. I'm curious with that. I have two young girls of my own. Both are interested. They're interested in what daddy's doing. I'm giving them exposure to radio more so than, hey, here's Ohm's Law. It's not a race for me to have the youngest ham in the world as an amateur extra to have all my family, extra class, license operators. It's not going to go down like that. And you have to really tap into each child. I happen to have two And my friend Neil, WB9VPG, is an educator and a teacher. He's seeing uh, the youth as teenagers in high school, and he works with them daily in their club. So I wanted to pick his brain and have him share his experience. He's going to introduce himself to you now. But as we go, he's going to talk about how maybe you can get your student, if you're a teacher, or maybe how you can get something started for the youth, the next generation of ham. Here's Neil.
1: Hey, everyone. I'm Neil, WB9VPG from Bloomington, Indiana. I'm the host of Ham Talk Live, but I'm also the contributing editor for Next Gen Contesters at the National Contest Journal. Christian has asked me to come on 100 Watts and a Wire each month to give some ideas about how to get kids interested in ham radio. So this month we're going to start off with a little bit about how I got into ham radio. My dad decided that he was going to pursue a career in electronics in high school and so he took a vocational electronics class. And the teacher of that class was a ham radio operator. And so he introduced ham radio to the class and gave the opportunity for some of the students to take the test and become a ham. Well, dad didn't do that right away. He was interested, but he got kind of sidetracked with some other things and didn't follow through with it. But later on in life, when he was an electronic technician at a hospital in Vincennes, Indiana, a doctor gave him a box full of old electronic equipment that he didn't want anymore. And one of the things in that box was a code oscillator. And so he got out the code oscillator and was trying to fix it and get it uh, working. And he started sending some Morse code with it. And of course, me being a, an inquisitive five-year-old had to know what was making that sound. And so I started asking dad, you know, what's that sound? Why are you doing that? And, and so he showed me and explained to me what he was doing. Not long after that, the local club. Uh, sponsored a ham radio class as a non-credit course at the local community college. So he decided that he was going to go and learn how to get his license. He wanted to take me along, and the flyer for the class said that um, you had to be 13 or older, and so I couldn't go, but he asked if I could go and just sit with him and promised him that I'd be quiet and, uh, you know, not disrupt anything. And, uh, so they said, yeah, okay, sure. If you want to bring him along, he can sit next to you. And as long as he doesn't cause any trouble, he can come along with you. So dad had his notebook there and was copying code. And I sat there and I had to be like dad. So I had my notebook and I was copying code and everybody just kind of started looking and said, wait a minute, this five-year-old is actually copying Morse code. And so that kind of intrigued everybody. And so I just kept on going to the class and, uh, I learned Morse code. And so I took the code test and the first time I just barely missed passing the test, but the second time I blew it away. In fact, everyone was so surprised that I could copy code that they figured they better make sure there was some proof. So they passed around my copy sheet and had everybody in the room sign it uh, so that they would actually be, you know, believable that a five-year-old had copied code. So I filled out the paperwork to take my written exam, and, and I took my written exam and passed it and became a ham at the same time as my dad. And a year later, mom couldn't stand to not know what we were saying in Morse code. So she went to the class just to learn Morse code so she could know what we were saying and ended up becoming a ham as well. So that was my start. I I started off because of what my dad did and my interest in the Morse code. That's an important lesson, I think, for getting kids involved in ham radio. A lot of times we think that we need to get these kids licensed right away, that the license is the first thing. And, and I really think that may be the wrong approach most of the time. I think that getting them interested in the radio rather than give them a chance to take yet another test, as if they're not bombarded with tests enough, uh, it is really the way to go. And so I would encourage you to get kids started enjoying ham radio before introducing the idea of studying for a test. And um, use the third-party agreements. Use those opportunities to generate some interest. For 100 Watts in a Wire... I'm Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thank you very much, Neil. I want to encourage
0: you to check your email filters now. Many people signed up to be a sustaining member in January of 2018. Well, this month, your membership will expire. I'm going to just send one note to you at the beginning of the month to let you know you know, it's time to renew. If you want to renew and you find value in the 100 Watson Wire community, now's your time. Don't let your membership lapse. If you'd like to learn more about the sustaining member program, you can visit 100wattsandawired.com. Many people are doing this, and if you give $25 or more over the course of a year, you can receive deep discounts to participating companies. I mean, MFJ, Chameleon Antennas, BioNO Power, Radio Waves Antenna, Power Film Solar, lot of great deals to be had there. It's a win-win-win situation. You provide $25 or more to the show. It helps sustain us. I can work on development and distribution and production. But you also get a discount to those businesses. That's important. And they can earn your business. It's a win-win situation. Learn more about it at 100wattsandawire.com. All right, friends, I'm going to leave it there for this week. We appreciate you and all of our our sponsors and all of the outlets that carry 100 watts and a wire. Please take care of yourselves, take care of your families, and by all means, if you can, please try and stay above the noise. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsandawire.com.